Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Welcome back, everyone. This week, a special conversation with Hall of Fame manager Joe Torre. Joe has celebrated many wonderful moments during his life in baseball, an outstanding playing career, league MVP, manager of four World Series championship teams with the Yankees, number retired with the Plaque in Monument Park, and election to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. But there was a dark side that took many years for Tory and his wife Allie to unearth, and it's the domestic abuse in his home as a child in Brooklyn. Living with a father who abused his mother, Tory was in his mid-50s before realizing the impact it had on his life, and then he decided to do something about it. In 2002, Joe and Allie Tory started the Safe at Home Foundation, its mission to end the cycle of domestic violence through education. The program initiative, known as Margaret's Place, is named after Joe's mother and is aimed at providing a safe room in schools for children living in abusive situations. Tori himself talks about his fear as a child, how he used to escape to a friend's house or go play baseball somewhere when he saw his dad's car in the driveway. Now, during this coronavirus pandemic that's caused schools to close and forced families to quarantine and shelter in place, the danger for kids who live in these environments is escalated. There is nowhere to escape or hide. Joe Torrey and the Safe at Home Foundation still have resources to provide that will help kids living in such situations right now. You can find help for those who need it at the website joetorrey.org. For more on the foundation's mission and how it has been compromised somewhat during this time, here is my conversation with the former manager of the New York Yankees, Joe Torrey. Joe, stay at home is what everybody's been told to stay safe, but in your experience, staying at home isn't always safe, especially with young children. What are your fears for children in these circumstances when you consider what position we've all been put in right now? Well, uh, you know, sweetie, we we started our uh, Safe at Home Foundation back in 2002, and and you know we've uh, we've done it through education, which my older daughter and my wife Allie were responsible for. Uh, so we have safe rooms in schools, and and we've had great results. We've had over a hundred thousand kids come through our program, and it's been you know very gratifying to see how many eyes light up. You know when they've gone through the program and uh, intervention and. Uh, it's and and prevention and it's been you know it's been very rewarding knowing that these kids have a chance at a better self-esteem and a brighter feeling about themselves going forward so uh, 
you know, what we've done has really worked. And now, you know, with the pandemic and everybody pretty much uh, staying at home uh, for, for their safety and health, um, what we do uh, now with the kids not being able to come to school and staying home, in a lot of cases, uh, there are abusers in those homes. And it's, uh, it's a little frightening because, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of, you know, locked in with people that they're, they're afraid of. And, and that, that's, uh, that concerns us a great deal. So what is it that kids can do right now? Well, we, we do, you know, we have been able to reach them uh, with the virtual learning. We've gone through school portals. And um, so we, we've been in touch with a number of them. Unfortunately, not all of them, but a number of them. And, you know, we, we basically, uh, you know, have sent out uh, newsletters and given them, uh, you know, numbers to call if, if, they, uh, if they're dealing with stuff that uh, it becomes more than they can handle. And, you know, we've, we've had a number of students reach out even through somebody to us, uh, and, you know, and, and we, we've managed to be able to, uh, you know, handle some situations. But it's, you know, it's, it's a little frightening. I, I, I just, I go back in my childhood, Sweeney, and, and, and think of when I was coming home from walking home from school and I saw my dad's car in front of the house. Uh, I'd go to a friend's house until he went to work. And again, he never physically abused me. He scared the heck out of me because uh, of stuff that he was doing to my mom. And um, he just brought a lot of fear in the home. And, and I know how I felt at that time about going home and being home when he was in the house. Uh, so, you know, this is a concern, uh, knowing that the, the, a lot of these... Uh, these young people are are in that situation. Yeah, and it's one thing that, you know, you you can't just go to somebody else's house, but the school closings have really had a major impact here, right? Uh, I mean, whether you're talking about just school counselors or the Margaret's Place uh, facilities that you've had in different schools, not being able to be at school for, you know, six, eight hours a day, that's really hurt. Yes, I mean, what we do... Uh, you know, is, is more hands-on uh, and having the kids in the classroom and and knowing that uh, they're safe and they feel safe. And, you know, we, we give them safety plans uh, now. But, again, you know, what we're used to having is have these kids come in there and, and be in a comfortable space uh, where they can really express themselves and then feel comfortable with their surroundings. Yeah, so uh, tell me more about that. What is a normal safety plan? What does that entail? And what adjustments have to be made now? Well, we, we yeah, we, we, what happens, and, you know, and you think about this, and of course this, this may be an extreme, but, you know, if you get a hotline number or something and they call and maybe that uh, whoever the abuser is in the house would, maybe grab the phone and see who you're calling and that that'd be dangerous. So you, you really want to be able to call a friend or, or an aunt or an uncle, uh, someone that 
wouldn't, you know, raise the red flag if they see that number on your phone. And it, it's all about calling someone you can trust. So that's really our safety plan is to let them know to call a friend, let them know to, to call a relative that they trust. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, that some, someone would intervene and, and be able to, you know, take care of the situation, at least uh, make it a little bit safer. And um, we just we just have to tread lightly and, and yet make sure that we're there when they need us. That that's the most important thing is they can reach out and we've given them some, a toolkit to try to reach out to, uh, you know, to a friend or a relative, someone who they can trust, who, you know, can can help in that regard. Joe, does it work the other way around, too? Do you encourage friends and family members who are at least somewhat aware of a child's situation to try to reach out to them in a safe manner without also raising these red flags and alarms that you're talking about? Yes, definitely. You know, the biggest thing for me, Sweeney, when I was growing up, I never shared with anybody. Uh, I was embarrassed what was going on in my home. Um, none of my friends, when we started our foundation and I, you know, still uh, have contact with some of my friends that I, uh, that I grew up with, they, they had no clue, uh, that this was going on in my house. Cause the, the feeling is, at least in my case, I, I felt what was going on was my fault. I was embarrassed that it was happening in my house. Didn't realize how wide it was until you know you get out in the world and, and, and see the kind of abuse that exists and it's um, you know it's something that you, you don't like to share and, and that's basically what our Margaret's Place helps them understand that they're not alone and it's not their fault and you know we just um, we just need to give them a safety line out there Joe, I don't know if you can answer this. It's just me thinking out loud right now. But what we're talking about now is trying to adjust plans for kids who have gone through this and just don't have the normal outlets that they had, you know, two months ago. Um, is there any sort of a program or anything that uh, you provide for kids who are going through this now, maybe for the first time and haven't had a chance to reach out under normal circumstances? Well, as I say, we, we have the ability to, you know, go through the uh, school portals and, and you know, virtually uh, be able to, the virtual learning that we have with students. I think that's, that's huge for us. And, you know, going forward, you know, we have no, there's no consistency in knowing when schools are going to reopen or if they're going to reopen or... You know, is there going to be more uh, virtual learning? And and we're certainly working on ways to, uh, you know, to, you know, just sort of ensure our program can still work in, in that environment. 
the uh, the online resources you're talking about. I mean, this is a this has changed a lot from when you first started this foundation. I mean, in 2002, iPhones didn't exist, so kids weren't walking around with those in their pockets, uh, and a lot more access to computers now uh, for the students. I would think than you know 15 years ago. So uh, the technology has really helped your cause. I would think. Well, it's, it's given them uh, it's given them a way to to reach out. There's no question about it. And uh, you know, the schools have been a, a great aid. You know, when we go into schools, we, we we need to have this you know this working relationship with the principals and and know that they embrace our program. And we've been pretty fortunate. You know, we have programs here in the New York area. Uh, one in Cincinnati and a good number of them out in the West Coast now in the, in the Los Angeles area. So, but you're right. I mean, uh, there, there's no question uh, that, you know, the, the, the cell phones and, and things make things easier. But again, you know, we, you know, we deal with a lot of uh uh, underprivileged and unfortunately, uh, you know, poverty-stricken kids, and some of them really can't afford the the technology that uh, most of the other kids have. Yeah, and and that group is growing uh, right now with all the stress of unemployment rates going up and families losing jobs and trying to figure out, you know, if if they can still afford to live where they are. A lot of things are are, are complicating the, uh, the lives right now. When you're watching the news and you see the news about unemployment rates going up, is this where your mind goes to the kids affected by the foundation and, and what you're trying to do? Yeah, it's a domino effect, just sweetening in. It's going to, you know, filter on down to the kids, and and we we give them a reference to community centers, you know, any any space that uh, where they'll be embraced and and uh, they they feel safe is is important for us. So, you know, it's been a lot of work on our part, but it uh, we have a, a good number of uh, counselors that uh, you know that have. Uh, you know that have this ability, and we just re- provide as as many resources as we can. As the restrictions start to ease, and we're seeing this a little bit already, we don't know what the trickle down is going to be. If there's going to be a spike, and th- you know things are going to have to be reeled back in, but for now, restrictions are beginning to ease a little bit. So, is that having a positive impact on being able to get some more of these places open and the counselors seeing uh, people in person? Well, I, you know, not until because all our all our. Uh, you know, aside from the justice centers, all of our rooms are in schools. Mm-hmm. So really ours, uh, you know, our choice you know, would be obviously schools reopen, but I understand that we have to make sure it's healthy to do that. But that that's where we do our work and that's where the kids come and feel safe. And, uh, you know, that that's something we're used to having. But Again, uh, you know, we'll make adjustments along the way, and we think we've we've provided these kids now uh, in the situation they're in with resources where you know they 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 don't feel locked in that they have a place to go or or talk to and uh, and and be able to get some help. I would guess then that you know the summertime, which is coming up now, that's always been more challenging 
because you know obviously schools are out in the summer so that's a that's a period of time that that has always presented some sort of an issue for you yes well that, that you know that's the thing you know we're we're only here for the school year and you know ideally and you know it's a pie in the sky for me that that we could find a way you know to uh maybe expand what we do into freestanding places where we're available 12 months a year but right now it's the school year and uh hopefully we can do enough good work and and change the uh you know and change the kids um feelings about you know what they've been dealing with uh and giving them the tools the tools to work with uh you know uh with what's going on in their homes Joe, all the good work you do is fueled by corporate sponsors and the fundraising events that you have. You had a you have a golf outing in the spring, uh, which has been canceled. You have a gala in the fall, which I'm going to assume is still on for now, but who knows what state we're going to be in. And if the corporate sponsors that give so generously to you are going to be in a position to continue to do so. Are you worried about the, you know, even just the next 12 months here with the fundraising efforts and the trickle down it has on your foundation? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, uh, you know, all our, uh, really our ability to, you know, to keep our classrooms working is, is we rely on our events. And we have one more in California that was, uh, you know, postponed. We, it normally happens in April, and uh, we've moved it right now tentatively to September, and we're hoping we can have that event. But we're, we're not counting on the fact that we can have events until, obviously, it's safe to do that. But we do need donations. We do need people to, uh, uh, you know, to help us keep uh, our good work going and, uh, and, and, you know, we actually, you know, we're at a point now we, we want to maintain what we have, even though our long time, I mean, our long range hope is that we can reach more, more kids all the time. Joe, when you started this in 2002, what did you think was you were going to accomplish and what, where do your, uh, what you have accomplished, where does that stand with what you thought going in? Well, to be honest with you, when, you know, when I, and it really, uh, sweetie, I didn't discover until like uh, November, December of 95, uh, uh, you know, why, like, I, you know, I went through baseball. I was lucky. I had a place to hide. I had baseball. Mm. But I was a nervous kid. Uh, I didn't have the greatest confidence in the world. Uh, afraid to ask questions in school, all that stuff. I thought I was born with with these inadequacies in my mind and then i went i went through something with with ali it was a seminar in cincinnati it, it was late november uh, and she was uh you know basically two or three weeks away from uh, having our daughter and you know i went with her for a four-day seminar and uh, Day two or three, it was called Life Success. Day two or three, the speaker uh, just all of a sudden helped me connect the dots. And, and meanwhile, I went to the seminar just because Allie asked me. I had, <laughs> I had no intention of going in and, 
you know, first of all, I didn't know what it was, and I wasn't expecting to have my life change at this point in time. But this particular speaker just was touching on a subject that really struck me, uh, you know, struck me and, and, and realized that, in fact, I stood up in front of perfect strangers and cried my eyes out. Hmm. Um, and, you know, and then all of a sudden from that point on, I, I had the, the feeling that uh, I, I wanted to talk about this because now I discovered uh, by connecting the dots that uh, the fear that my dad brought on the house was causing uh, the feelings that I had and I wasn't born with them. It was something that happened. And, and so when we came to New York, Allie said, which charity should we get involved with? And I said, how about domestic violence? And she was caught off guard. And it was really, as I mentioned earlier, it was, it was, it was her decision to go at it through education and if you're going to end the cycle of domestic violence, you really want to appeal to that that next potential group of you know possible abusers who the only role model they have of what's going on in their home. It's not a positive in a lot of way in a lot of situations. So you know, and and I never when we started, I I remember going to. Uh, the school just to talk to the kids in the middle school. And I, uh, and I had a camera crew following me because we were going to have our, our first gala. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll explain this, you know, we'll talk baseball in a minute. Let me explain this camera crew following me. And I went on to talk about my dad and, and you know, what he brought on the house. He was a New York city policeman and, you know, it was abusive to my mom. And I looked out and there were six or seven kids just shaking their heads, wow. just saying, I understand. And, and, and at that point in time, I realized that, you know, we struck a nerve. And uh, what we've accomplished, uh, it's a dream for me come true because, you know, all, if I had some something uh, like a Margaret's Place, some place to go and be able to talk about something that was kept inside for so many years, um, you know, it, it, it probably would have helped me a great deal. I mean, as I say, I was lucky I had the ability to play baseball and I was able to get through it with, with that help. But um, just to, to know that we've, we've touched positively over a hundred thousand kids, it's, uh, it's been uh, you know, it's a great gift for me. And, and I know we have, you know, uh, on our website, which is org, we have resources listed on the website uh, so that, you know, the kids, if they do have the ability to to get to our website, uh, we have all kinds of options for them for, for help. Joe, uh, I want to close with you with this. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most of the people who are listening to you and me talk right now are not the kids, they're the adults. So if there's a message you want for the adults who are, you know, as we said earlier, friends or relatives of people who are going through the situation and we're in this, I want to say maybe for the short term, but who knows how much longer we're going to be under these current uh, restrictions. What's the message you want to leave for these adults as um, as they try to figure out how to help those who need help right now? 
I I always feel that you know JoeTory.org obviously to to really research what we do, but to me you know the kids of today are the leaders of tomorrow, and whether they possess our last name or not, I think it's our responsibility to make sure that we keep them and get them as healthy as possible so they can go on and and really uh, go in the right direction uh, because. Without, without, and you know, I'm boasting a little bit because of Margaret's place and the work we do. That you know, these kids with no direction and, and nobody to put their arm around their uh, shoulders, uh, you know, could follow the strongest personality out there, and it's uh, it's a pretty good chance that they're going to take them in, in in the wrong direction. So all I'm saying is, in order to uh, you know, continue our work. You know, we, we certainly would like donations to keep it going, but we we'd really like to be able to educate the public uh, in you know what's going on. You know, there's so much talk when we first started, and I'd call for people to you know come to our dinner or get a donation. They say, "Oh, domestic violence—that's a woman's issue." It's so much more than that, uh, and I, I think. Uh, there, there's a good portion of the public that needs to be educated along those lines. Joe, thanks for letting me help you spread the word. Thanks for helping do it here, and uh, wish you continued success with it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sweeney, for the opportunity. Again, to find information for those who need it, go to JoeTory.org. My thanks to Joe for sharing his time here. If you've missed any of our past episodes, please check out the 30 with Murdy archive at radio.com or Apple Podcasts. Recent guests have included Saturday Night Live director Don Roy King and Ricky Cobb, the genius behind the Super 70s sports Twitter account. Make sure to subscribe and review and all that jazz. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.